What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of Dad College. My name is Cam, and I am joined across this beautiful table uh, from Dave. What's up? Uh, you know, just uh, Sunday afternoon, getting ready to go to some soccer. Mm, and I'm getting ready to watch some pro wrestling. Are you? Mm, Survivor Series, Dave. It's supposed, to, it's supposed to be a big deal. I don't know. Is it live, or is it? Oh, yeah, it's live. I will not be in, in attendance. <laughs> I will be sitting on my sofa. Um, watching, you know, a bunch of sweaty dudes throw each other around. Fun. In athletic ways, of course. In athletic but ways. Anyways, uh, we are here. Last episode, we talked about food and cooking and, you know, different ways to incorporate your kids through various ages into the cooking process and not what they should know. And that got us thinking, like, what other things should kids know when they leave the house, be it for college or to join their workforce or military or whatever else they're leaving the house to do once they're out of high school. Yes. Uh, Or even if they're out of high school and are living at home for a while, they want to be independent. And there are certain ways that you can allow them to be independent, even if they're still living at home, which I would do if I wasn't married, (laughs) I'd live at home, (laughs) save money. Um, But Anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about, would be my living situation. That's not important. Um, So we came up with a list of other things that we uh, thought are practical things that we can uh, ensure our children, or at that point, young adults, are equipped with so that they can better handle uh, the real world, as it's known, which is a lot different than school in in pretty much every way. Mm -hmm. It's like the first 18 years get prepared for something that never happens because <laughs> it's like prep, 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 graduate. Oh, everything's different. Have to relearn how to do everything. It's just, it's, yeah. I don't understand. It's a very weird thing. Yeah. So as parents, we've got a uh, responsibility to, yeah, to teach our kids what, what's actually going to come and how True. to be, how to be contributors to society and not consumers of it. Yes. All right, so as we were uh, talking about this, Dave brought out something that that I would not have (laughs) considered as something, and we will not name the person involved, Um, but uh, addressing an envelope may be something your child needs to learn. Yeah. So, yeah, I would just, um, you know, and this is something truly they could probably do, I mean, while they're growing up, is just learning how to do that. but. We don't send a lot of mail anymore. We certainly don't pin a letter and stick it in an envelope and send it out. Uh, a lot of our bills are paid online, that sort of a thing. And um, so it's something that you might have to be intentional about uh, showing your child how to do is, is uh, address an envelope and explain to them all the information that needs to be on there and what goes where and, um, you know, where do you get stamps? <laughs> yeah. The post office can be an intimidating place because usually it's always busy. Yeah. Most of the time, the person behind the counter is not in a great mood and wants to get through the process because it's busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, you have, especially like if you're shipping a package to a friend, you know, like a, a roommate over summer, you want to send him or her, you know, a little care package or whatever. And you have to choose like, what sort of way do you want to send it? Is it fragile? Do you want tracking? Do you want first class or overnight? Like, and usually the person doesn't have time to explain it to you, nor do they want to. So, uh, having, having post office and mail skills is a good thing. Probably a good thing. Yeah. It may not come in handy every day, but when it does... But when you have to do it, it's good to know how to mm-hmm. do it. And all the different options for how to send a package and what's available at the post office, bubble wrap, and blah, 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 all that stuff. It's like the DMV. You know, you just kind of have to know how to handle it. Yeah. You don't want to go there every day, but when you do, you want to know how to get through it as quickly as possible. Definitely. Um, Other stuff, and I, as you were saying stuff about mail, I had two more ideas about bank stuff. So like when you're, when your kid graduates high school, they should probably know how to balance their checking account. Yeah. And understand how much money they have, how much money they have committed towards, 
you know, bills or, you know, rent or car payment or what, whatever, you know, it is them understanding this is the balance in my bank account. Mm-hmm. This is how much I need to set aside to cover my expenses, which means this is how much money I have to spend or to save, which leads me to my next thought. They should know what a savings account is and how it works yeah. and what it's for. Um, I, I really don't remember what I know. I had a checking account and I think I had a savings account when I was in high school. But I was really bad about like thinking two paychecks ahead, what I was going to spend it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I had a savings account growing up, and then in high school I actually did a checking account and used it a few times before leaving the house. So I think that is a good. I mean, so I, even in that, I just think about how often we use a, a debit card or a credit card, or mm-hmm. and don't even use currency. I I mean, I write like three checks a year now. Well, that that leads me to my next thing is they need to know how to write a check. Yeah, because there is or what a- to do when they get a check from someone. Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, all right. So, a checking account and a savings account, like just basic stuff. They probably don't need to know about, you know, four hundred one ks and Roth IRAs and you know mutual funds and stocks at that point, unless they're interested in that stuff, or if somehow they have a lot of money, they, you know, they worked their butts off in high school, or you know grandma or grandpa died and left them, mm-hmm. you know, a couple thousand dollars. Um, in which case you might take that opportunity. I think with my kids, like I don't expect them to have that stuff at that age. Right. But I expect them to know about it yeah. because I want my kids to be making wise financial decisions early on. So when they're 30, they don't go, Oh crap. <laughs> you know, I'm up to my eyeballs in debt because credit cards are fun and I haven't saved and I haven't made wise decisions. Um, so this is kind of me preaching a little bit, but yeah, being able to write a check because sometimes you just need to pay somebody and you don't have cash and you just want to get it done. Mm -hmm. And so knowing what goes where, what has to be filled out, what has to match all that sort of stuff. Like case in point, I got paid for one of my Brennan media projects, um, by a grown adult and she wrote the check wrong. Honest mistake. Mm-hmm. She wrote four instead of forty. When the box said forty, and she wrote four, so I couldn't cash the check because the line in the box didn't match. And they're half a country, half the country away. So I had to void the check and reach out, send them a photo proving that it's voided and it's wrong. Yep. And they had to send me another one. So just knowing the basics of it has to be signed. It has to be dated. It has to, the line in the box have to match exactly all that stuff. Yeah. And then how to endorse a check yep. when you get paid by somebody, when you deposit it into your account, it's all really boring, but it's like the boring stuff is what being an adult is about. Yep. Right. Just doing the small boring stuff. <laughs> it really is. Um, uh, yeah. And even in that it's, it's knowing how to spell things too. Yeah, four and forty. There's no you and forty. No, so I couldn't even fake it. Which shh, don't ever do that on a check. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I thought about it for half a second, and then yeah. the guy that used to work at the bank and me was like, "Nope, don't do that. That's illegal." Yeah. Um, and, and, and even little things like if you have a hundred and some, so like if you have a hundred and forty-two dollars, when you write on the check, well, when we're talking, like I just said, you will say a hundred and forty-two dollars. You don't write 142 on the check. You write 142 dollars mm-hmm. because the and is for the change. Is for the change, and so yeah, there's there's just little nuances. I remember the first time I ever wrote a check for like a thousand something. Like that was just weird to be like, oh my, I don't know how to write <laughs> one thousand two hundred. You know, yeah, you got, and then you got to like. There's a limited amount of space. Yep. Uh, and then the thing that, that I also thought about after writing the checks is paying bills. And right. a lot of that you can do online now. But Absolutely. some of it, like our uh, our water and electric bill, like we can pay that online, but the Dropbox is half a block away from my work. Mm-hmm. So I just drop the check in there and go, when I'm on my way to work. Um, but knowing how to pay a bill what a due date is, you know, how to check to make sure you're not being overcharged, what a late fee is, how that accrues, you know, 
Because that extends to, you know, if you have a credit card, which is a discussion you should have with your kids about what a credit card is. Yeah, exactly. Should or should they not have one? And what are the pitfalls and what are the advantages and all because that sort I of guarantee stuff. the first day of college, they're going to come across several tables with people trying to get them, especially to, if they're at a bigger university, yeah, to yeah. apply for a credit card. And mm-hmm. they're probably going to get some like a free t shirt or a free water bottle, and they'll be like, oh, this is great. I'll sign up for the card. And then the card comes in the mail, and it's kind of like, oh, free money. I don't have to. And they can rack up debt really yeah, quick. Yeah, it's so like that's, 19% APR. And, yeah, especially yeah. if they're a new. Uh, back to the bill paying, you know, one of the, my two cents worth would be. Um, if you end up having a roommate, you sp- and, and and you're gonna split the bill. Split the bill. Don't don't say like, well, I'll pay for this semester and then you do the next semester, or um, you know, I'll pay you a lot. I would just highly recommend, and this like kind of goes for anybody. Mm-hmm. Of when the bill comes, you both pay what you're responsible for, and you don't let it go to that next bill paying period because. One, you never know who your you know roommates may decide to move out. Um, yeah, and people don't feel bad about going. I'm out of here. See you later. Well, you owe me two hundred dollars for, you know, five months of electric bill. Uh, okay, well, I'll get that to you in the mail. And see ya. And then it never comes. So yeah, the way we did it I, when I was in grad school for the year before I got married, um, my roommate was a few years older than me. He was a full time employee at the university, but we knew each other from hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I lived with him, um, and he would pay rent fully, but I would, the day he paid, I would write him a check for my half so he could go to the bank, deposit my half and then give the full, cause the guy wanted one check. He right. didn't want two and, separate and that, checks, and that is, which yeah. is the landlord's prerogative. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so the way we did it, whenever the bill was due, I would write him a check for my half. He would go deposit my half and then give the guy the check for the full amount. And yeah. that, so he was paying his half, I was paying my half, and that's how we got around the splitting it, but somehow meeting the landlord's one check you know, rule. Yeah. So there are ways to do it, even if they're you know, being stickler. Um, the other thing, too, with paying bills is like teaching your children the importance of never being late on a bill right ever yeah it can hurt your credit it can well and it can you can just get behind the eight ball yep and you owe more money and it's just and that's how they get you you know what i mean um and that goes back to your checking account and understanding how much money you have what your requirements for that month are that entire month you know rent or uh cars or you know food gas utilities that sort of stuff and making sure that that's covered. And that's really crappy when you get paid and you're like, oh, look at all this money I have. And then you're like, oh, wait, I really only have $300 because the rest of that is going towards whatever. Right. And that, I think, is a helpful way for you to realize, like, what's actually important for me to be spending money on? You know? Mm-hmm. Do I need the turbo internet? Or can I get by with just the, right, you know? Yeah. Or do I need to be, you know? And I'm, like, even as a 31-year-old, I'm, like, still going through the, what do I actually need? What am I spending money on that I don't need to? That I don't need to be spending money on, and um, it's really hard because spending money's fun, especially when you get to you know buy a nice beer or <laughs> you know buy a new you know gadget. Which yeah. like those are my my money spending weaknesses. New clothes, not a chance. I'm good. I've got <laughs> enough. Drives my wife nuts. She's like, "You need new clothes." I'm like, "No, I don't. They're fine." And then she'll go buy me clothes, and I'll get mad. Like I don't like spending money on that, but she does. Like right. her, her, uh, you know, like beer and toys is like clothes and decor- <laughs> is clothes and decorations. Yes, and then she thinks it's silly that I spend money on, the- and so we have like the we both like to spend the money on stuff. It's just different, so we look at it like that's a waste of money. You know, right? That's our financial struggle is, you know, that. But that's again not important. I'm so I'm so <laughs> selfish. I'm keep talking about myself. Um, any other financial stuff? Just, you know, I, I think from a very early age, you probably teach your kids to uh, save. And then... So if, it, so it's something that they don't have to um, readjust to when right. they're older. I was really bad about it. I think my parents tried. Yeah. But and, my, and, my other sisters were just like, saved everything. Yeah. They and, never and, spent money. And there is. I think we were all kind of wired for one way or the other. And I was always looking for the next guitar you know, pedal or upgrading my guitar or whatever. And my sisters were just socking it away. 
And then I think the other piece is, and I think this is up to every individual family and is, is the idea of just giving yes, and learning to set aside a percentage to give away, because I think that is an important part of being a contributing member to society is not just spending your money on yourself, but also giving that away. And again, I think that's something that you need to learn early. Otherwise it becomes harder the older you get. So absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Next on our laundry list is <laughs> nice laundry. Segue. Laundry. Mm. Yeah. Uh, knowing how to wash your clothes without shrinking them or staining them because you yeah. put a brand new red t-shirt in with all your tidy yep. whities Yeah. Uh, that's a really important skill. Now, okay. So I, when you went to college, did you know how to do laundry? Yes. I didn't know how to do laundry. Okay. So did I. Yeah, but the I living in a guy's dorm, there were plenty of dudes. Well, and it seems like you can just pick about any sitcom that's been on TV and at some point there's a joke about somebody not knowing how to do laundry, yeah. especially during the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> so yeah, I I think that's a skill and I well I I I think the one that just came to my mind was uh, Penny from Big Bang Theory not knowing how to do laundry and <laughs> or somebody not knowing and Penny has, anyway it seems like there's an even episode in that one where not knowing how to do laundry and so yeah I think the sorting of the colors and how hot and cold affects things and even clothes that you should or shouldn't dry and and actually both of my girls do their own laundry now so mm-hmm. that was that was kind of a high school thing of I think that's smart um my wife does laundry differently than I learned how to do it. Well, that's that can be an interesting situation too. Have I told you this story about think, what I, I said so. when we first got oh, married? Oh no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, here's a here's a cautionary tale. So, growing up, the way that I was taught to do laundry is you do three loads: a load of whites, a cold load of colors, and a warm load of colors. Because if you look on your colors, it's like wash warm with light colors, right. wash cold with light colors. And then, so I was a three-load laundry guy. Whites, cold colors, warm colors. Meredith does whites, blues and greens, red, oranges, and yellows, and then like purples and like sep- – like she takes the light colors thing super seriously. Oh. But she washes all the colds on the same temperature. All the colors on? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. She washes all the colors. So like there's warm and cold colored shirts in the same right. cold well and so I'm, I'm like looking at her doing this i'm like what are you doing she's like i'm doing laundry i'm like you're doing seven loads <laughs> she goes yeah i'm doing the laundry and i was like you're doing it wrong and she looked at me and she said oh really would you like to do the laundry for us then and like she got really mad because i was being kind of a dolt about it like that's not how you do laundry what are you doing you're doing it wrong mm-hmm. like accusatory and then she got really mad, rightfully so. And she told me that if I would like to do it my way, I could be the one that does the laundry for both of us. And I didn't want to do that. So I apologized and begged for mercy. And she's been doing the laundry that way ever since. That's funny. Um, I mean, it's been fine. And she, you know, has her own way of doing it. But uh, yeah, don't. If if you don't want to do laundry and you don't want to be a jerk to your wife, don't do what I did. <laughs> That's funny. I you know the other thing that I I bet a lot of people don't know too is is that the tags on your clothing actually have little symbols on them for what it's so like if your if your shirt was made in Taiwan mm-hmm. and the tag happens to be in uh, Taiwanese or I don't know what they speak there. They speak Japanese. I don't, what are they speaking? <laughs> I don't know, Dave. <laughs> Way to make us look uh, yeah, exactly unworldly. So if your your tag has Chinese on it, Mandarin, Mandarin, yes, from China, um, <laughs> you may look at the symbols. Yeah, and, and the symbols the actual, will actually tell you. Yeah, it'll be like thirty and there's, degrees. Or there's like degrees. quite a few little. Well, and then even drying the clothes. Is it a tumble dry? Is it a you know hang and dry? Is it a you know, warm dry? All that stuff. The other thing too is they need to learn how to use different washing machines and drying machines. Yeah. Uh, I listened to a podcast called Cortex, um, and one of the hosts is two years younger than me, so he's almost 30, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. 
uh, based on comments he's made over, I've listened to a lot of his shows and he just, he's from England and he mm-hmm. just spent a m- month to six weeks in America traveling around. Um, and he didn't know how to use a front loading or a top loading washing machine. That's crazy. He's got a front loading one and he thinks that they're totally different and doesn't understand how a top loading washer works. And it's all, and he like, so he paid to have his laundry done twice. <laughs> and then when he was at his, one of his, his business co-owner's house, he just, the co-owner showed him how to just, just do this. And I'm like, like, I don't mean to make fun of him, but like, it's not hard. No, there really isn't any difference. It's what kind of water do you want? Yeah. How heavy do you want the, the load to, you know, be, and do you want the buzzer on or off? Like that's, really it there might be are you using fabric softener or not yeah but like it gets your clothes wet and spins them around mm-hmm. so i just found it hysterical that a grown man was so bent out of shape by a top loading washer yeah we should probably make sure our kids know how to do laundry on multiple devices <laughs> yes yeah and then just you know even tricks for how to get things clean and beyond using the laundry like a little stain stick a little stain stick or you know washing it in the sink if you got to or scrubbing it yeah this is a thrilling episode <laughs> being an adult boring <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the fun stuff yet uh we talked about cooking last time obviously mm-hmm. just to reiterate that's kind of, you got to be able to feed yourself and clothe yourself that's just kind of a basic human need yep. or two basic human needs. Um, all right. So we're going to, we're going to change tax here a little bit to uh, more of Dave's realm of expertise. Oh, uh, what should we teach our children uh, when it comes to getting pulled over by a police officer for a potential traffic violation? Well, I think the first thing you probably should let your kids know is that they, and again, this is just things I think we think people know, but truly you can, like, you should have your driver's license every time you drive. Yeah. And you should probably have your driver's license with you wherever you go, because you just never know when you may need your identification. So as you become an adult and you're leaving the home, you have your driver's license with you. Uh, you need to have the proof of your insurance in your car. And... Uh, that does expire and you need to know where it is and how to access it. And I think most insurance companies have an online app where you could pull it up and that, that is a legal uh, proof of insurance. And so if that's the case, then you need to make sure your kids know how to use the app on the phone. And then just um, any more license, your registration is your license plate on your vehicle. And so um, that not as much, but it's probably a good idea for your kids to know what the registration is on the car and how to produce a paper document uh, if asked for the registration. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just little things like if, um, so if, if your child is driving a car that is registered in your name, they should know that if a police officer says, is this your car? The answer, yeah, it's their car, but they probably should be ready to say, it. yes, it's my car, but it's registered in my mom and dad's name or, or something to that effect. Just because um, that is going to help on the front end of a conversation with an officer. Because an officer is trying to figure out if this car is legally in your possession. Are you supposed to have it? Yeah, and are you being truthful and, and upfront? Yeah. Yeah, and so if you just know how to answer those questions from the get-go... Um, you know, if your car, if your kid is incredibly messy, find a place in the car that you can easily get to all this information. So you're not digging around for it. That makes police officers very, very nervous when people start digging around in their glove box, their mm-hmm. center console, especially at night. Yeah. So would you say that the advice would be if you get pulled over to pull over, roll your window down and keep your hands on the steering wheel until the officer, because I'm imagining if I'm leaning over and rifling through stuff as the officer's walking up, he or she is automatically on edge. Yeah. What are they doing? What are they hiding? Are they reaching for, do I need to be worried? Whereas if they walk up and they just see you haven't moved and you're sitting there with the window down waiting for them, I would imagine that's much 
less stressful situation. Yeah. yeah. So like you said, put your hands on the steering wheel, roll down the window, turn the, the radio off. Uh, don't, don't get any of that information until the officer asks for it. And you know, it really doesn't hurt to go. It's in my back pocket. I'm going to reach for it. It's in the glove box. I mean, explain to the officer what you're going to do. Um, the other thing that I would just say is, um, no, no, you're right. I, 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 I hate to say this, but there are some, uh, bad officers out there. Just like in any job, there are some bad officers. Don't admit to anything, uh, but be polite and be courteous. Say yes, sir. No, sir. Uh, so if an officer comes to your window and says, do you know how fast you were going? Um, you know, that's kind of like that they're trying to get you to admit that you're speeding. Um, so I would say, I, I, it's just funny. I like, I'm thinking of, of, I would never admit to speeding. I would just say, oh, I was going the speed limit, you know, but don't but be, what if you do, knew that but you don't, weren't, but don't be smart about it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where I would just, um, or maybe if you knew you weren't just be like, I don't know. I, I, wasn't paying attention or something like that is really better than going, Oh, well I was going 70 in a 45, you know, <laughs> um, you, so, um, so be polite, be courteous. Yes, sir. No, sir. Have all the information that you need. Uh, you know, keep your hands where they can be seen. Turn on the interior light. If it's at night, uh, don't, you really don't have to self-incriminate. We have the, the fifth amendment is, is, self-incrimination. So if an officer asks you how fast you were going, you really don't have to say, I know I was speeding. Uh, in fact, I would encourage you to admit, not to admit <laughs> that. Um, and then uh, the other piece in all of that is, is that officers will occasionally ask for consent to search your vehicle. I would tell my own children and I would tell anybody I know to never give consent to an officer. Um, if an officer has probable cause to search your car, he's going to search your car. Uh, so him asking for consent generally means he doesn't have enough to do it. and He wants your permission. And so I would always tell them, no, uh, the other thing back to the whole, um, whose car is this works in your favor. Uh, if you're, you know, 20 something years old and you're up at college and you get pulled over and officer says, can I search your car? Um, it's not your car to give him permission to search it. So you can say, well, you can call my mom and dad and ask them. <laughs> now, if you have something illegal in the car, eh, you're taking it. Um, so I, it, uh, I hate to say it, but I'm a bit cautious in just a, in terms of how I would encourage somebody to deal with law enforcement, be polite, be courteous. Uh, but at the same time, don't assume. And I think this is kind of the way I was raised. And I think this is changing. Don't assume that that police officer always has your best interest. Mm -hmm. Um, there are certainly people out there, um, who are looking for more, uh, when they don't have more. And so, um, no, here's the other thing. Avoid the temptation to be smart, avoid the temptation, you know? So if an officer comes up to you and says, how, do you know how fast you were going? Don't say, well, I don't know. You're the one that pulled me over. You know, that's, that's not going to fly. Um, probably not going to be very helpful, but at the same time, I don't think you have to self-incriminate either. Uh, random question. Mm-hmm. One related question, really. If the officer asks you to get out of the car, do you have to? So if the officer asks you to get out of the car, yes, you have okay. to get out of the car. Uh, generally he needs to be able to articulate can I, can you ask the so you can why? Ask, yeah, you can. Without being an idiot about it. So, so here's, here's what I would say. If the officer said, I need you to step out of the car. Can you say, can you, can you please tell me why I need to step out of the car? Um, you may find an officer who's going to say, I told you to get out of the car. Now get out of the car. I would not get, uh, you know, I, I would be cooperative. Um, so generally an officer needs to be able to articulate uh, why he wants you out of the car. So if an officer says I, you need to step out of the car, I would go ahead and do it. And generally what he's trying to do is determine like if he smells alcohol, mm -hmm. is there a beer that's spilled in the car and I'm smelling the, the, the spilled beer or is it, have you consumed alcohol and I'm smelling Just alcohol so much that you're emanating it? Yeah. Which you do. And so that's, so legally they, they have to get you away from the car to determine it's coming from your person and not just inside the car. Um, However, 
when, when the officer's all done with you, he needs to be able to articulate to you why he had you step out of the vehicle. And if an officer doesn't do that, and you're so inclined, I would probably call the police station and say, hey, this officer had me step out of the car and really did not have a legal reason to ask me. Which, uh, uh, for us, it's uh, reasonable suspicion. So I smell alcohol coming from inside that vehicle. I need to separate this person to figure that out. So that's why I smell uh, raw marijuana or I smell burnt marijuana or you know, explaining why it is that they smell what they smell well. I guess if they smell either marijuana, they now have a legal reason to mm-hmm. <laughs> search your car. Um, and I guess if they smell alcohol, it would be the same. But an officer really needs to be able to articulate to you why he's doing that versus, well, I said so. Now, if you get that, I'd still be cooperative because, you know, you're challenging his authority and that may not go well. And your recourse is going to be after the stop versus while you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, that's very good information. Uh, what about, um, handling a car accident? So this is another way that police can become involved. Yeah. Um, but also is probably as much as getting pulled over can be stressful or nerve wracking. If you've never been pulled over before getting in a car accident is much more so because yep. of the shock or trauma potentially involved. Yeah. Um, so I would always, we, we live in the day and age of cell phones. Mm-hmm. And so I would always call the police if you're involved and it, your vehicle makes contact with another vehicle. And you're or, saying 911 call the police, not the, the safe line. Um, so, um, yes and no. Uh, you can always call 911. Now they may tell you to call back on the non-emergency line. Um, and every jurisdiction is a little bit different. Um, I would, re- I recommend to anybody to know, have the yeah. phone number for their local police department in, in their, their phone. phone. Yeah. Police if, non-emergency. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. if you don't know it, then you call 911 and they'll, they'll redirect you accordingly. Uh, the phones actually do come in different ways. They do get a priority if you dial 911 versus if you dial the regular line and they don't like to tie up the emergency line if it's something that doesn't require it. So, um, so yeah, I would call the police and, um, I would never, ever let anybody talk you out of it. I would never, ever admit fault, even to the police officer. I just would explain, this is what happened. And, uh, I would never say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, and I would never exchange money with anybody on the side of the road. And I say these things because, and it's just back to to the car stop. You know, I've seen these things happen. And it, it never ends up well for people who um, want to, like, just exchange information or, um, you know, we had somebody write a check to somebody the other night speaking oh, of. Oh, no. Yeah. And oh. anyway, long story short, it, it uh, the person who received the check, no, that's not right, person who wrote the check ended up going to jail because he lied about it later. It was a convoluted mess. So anyway, um, so yeah, I would definitely call the police. I would, I would not exchange, just do a driver's exchange. I wouldn't ever just do, um, I would never ever do money on the scene. Mm-hmm. Now there, like here in Kansas, we aren't used to the snow, and when the snow comes, we seem to have all these accidents all at once. Because people drive like it's still summertime. Yes. And what you will get sometimes from local law enforcement is if it's just a fender bender, you can exchange information and walk in it. That What they call is it's a walk-in. And so if you do live in a place where they say uh, you can walk in your accident at a later date and time, Make sure you get the license plate off the other vehicle. Make sure you get the other person's driver's license number. Make sure you get the other person's uh, phone number, a way uh, to reach them. And then just, you know, get a description of the vehicle and all that. And you should each have each other's information. It shouldn't just be one person giving to another. Uh, But ideally, if you can get the police to the scene, I would highly recommend that. Even on the smallest, smallest deals. Because it will work out better that way. Oh, yeah, you have a 
an official third party at that point. Yeah. All right. So something uh, a little less potentially uh, scary. <laughs> uh, changing a, a flat tire. Yeah. Now, this could be scary if you're on the highway and your tire goes out, but you need to be able to know how to change a tire. And even if that's when you get home and you realize, oh, there's a nail in my tire and it's losing air. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> uh, from a lesson I've learned, change your tire on flat ground. Yes. Change your tire on flat ground, yes. Uh, so your car doesn't fall off the jack and land on the brakes <laughs> and almost crush you. Um, oh, what's the trick you taught me? If you take the tire off, put it under yeah, just slide it the, under the, the chassis. Yeah under the door. So if it does fall off the jack, it lands on the tire and, and give you some space to, to escape potentially <laughs> to escape or to not, uh, to not damage your car. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I've told my daughters, and again, I think this is, this is a individual preference versus a hard and fast rule. I tell my girls, if you get a flat tire on the highway, obviously get off as quickly and as safely as you can in terms of pulling over to the, to the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have I 35 running through our town or to the West East of our town and our girl, my girls regularly drive that. I have told them, I want them to drive like at five miles an hour and get off the highway. So drive five miles an hour on the shoulder and get off the highway. Oh, like on an entr- exit ramp, exit ramp, because Personally, and again, this has to be a personal decision. I would rather them destroy a wheel and a tire, and maybe even do some body damage because the tire is coming across, than to have them on the side of the highway trying to deal with a flat tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, you know, people have their heads and their cell phones and all that kind of stuff. And I've seen far too many times where somebody's pulled over on the side of the highway and trying to do something, and they get. Well, especially if it's on the driver's side. Yeah. Like that's just, you're yeah. asking to get hit at that point. So, um, so yeah. And then I think it's good for, um, everybody should know where the spare is on your car. Uh, you probably want to practice doing that, getting the spare out of your car and changing it before you don't want the first time that you're ever doing it was when you're like freaking out because mm-hmm. it never seems like it's a good situation when you get a flat tire and you have to put the spare on. And so, uh, it seems like as, uh, advances go by, they're hiding them more and more. And it's not like you just go to the trunk and pop it up, but uh-huh. you got to stick this thing in there and twist it and it lowers itself. From yeah. Under the, yeah. Or, you know, like I think our minivan, it's actually like under one of the seats kind of a thing. And so, yeah, practice it before they actually have to do it. And then help them understand that you turn to the left to loosen a nut. You turn to the right to tighten it and little tricks of... Well, and loosening the bolts before the car is jacked up so you can use yeah. the weight of the car to your advantage and yep. that sort of stuff. Um, the other thing, too, is maybe your car insurance offers a free tire replacement you know, service. Mm-hmm. I know some do. Um, where they'll, you might have to wait, you know, an hour, mm-hmm. but if you're on the side of the highway and you can't get to sure. an exit cause you're in the middle of the country and the next exit is not for five miles yeah, and you do have, you know, a car insurance that will come do that for you. Yeah. That's an option to know, but that might be a, you know, dad, oh my gosh, I'm driving home from college and my tire's flat and I'm, you know, I don't even know where I am. I'm so far out in the middle of nowhere. What do I do? And it's, you know take you three hours to get there. Uh, you know, there's, there's not ideal things. Like we were driving home. This is when Meredith and I were dating in college and we were driving the white car, <laughs> that beast of an SUV that still runs somehow, even though I'm pouring money into it. Uh, and we were driving home. The, uh, we went to college on, uh, the East side of Indiana and she lives about an hour South of Chicago and Illinois or lived. And so we, were taken um, the back roads from college to I-65 in Lafayette where Purdue is. You take that up and then you take back roads all the way to her town. And there's this one back road or back road that did like this really big sweeping S curve, which a sports car would be a lot of fun to take if you knew no one was coming on a nice little chicane. And it was late at night and um, 
pitch black, you know, dead of winter. And um, I was turning. And when I turned right to complete the S, the inside curve was just, there was like a, I want to say like a foot deep, but probably like eight inches deep, just (laughs) gully, because so many people have cut that corner. Uh And I smoked that thing at like 60 miles an hour and with the back tire and it just blew. Yeah. And so I had to, you know, stop the car because like it was jarring. And then pulled into some farmer's gravel driveway that was like a mile long. I could see like the light of his family room off in the <laughs> distance. It's like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night in like, I think it was December or January. So it's freezing outside. Meredith is sitting in the car laughing. I'm outside. Oh, gosh. You know, in the mud, changing the tire. My hands are, you know, frigid. I'm cutting myself because I keep slipping because my hands are so cold. And. Mm-hmm. But we got it fixed, luckily, because I knew what I was doing. And then we, you know, drove home on the spare and, you know, her parents replaced the tire and everything because we were, you know, poor 19-year-olds that couldn't <laughs> afford that stuff. But it happens. Yeah. At the worst of times and in the worst of places. But. Yep. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you, you, you won't appreciate knowing how to do until you have to do it. And you're going to go, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know. This is all so depressing. <laughs> a lot of responsibility. Um, and then I, there's two more on my list. Um, job interview. How to, how to apply for a job, how to, you know, write a resume, how to write a cover letter, um, what you need to know going into a job interview, like potential questions they're going to ask, you know, and this, this even comes to like in college, like you're going to probably want to intern or work over the summer or get a job in your university's town or at the university. And you're going to need to know how to do these things. And, you know, some people, uh, get really, really nervous during interviews and they, so if, if your child is a person who has that nervousness, then maybe doing some mock interviews with them would be helpful or helping them understand what questions might get asked and what they should be prepared to answer for so that they're not fumbling on the spot. Um, this one seems kind of like a weird one compared to the other ones, but like you got to work, yeah, you know, and being in, and, and sometimes it's just doing job interviews a few times and them going really badly for you to understand yeah. what you need to do, you know? Um, I don't really know if we need to talk more about that one. You know, the only other thought that I would have is, 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 yeah. Particularly if you're just, when your kid goes to do a job interview, give them some guides, give them some direction. Uh, the other thing I would just recommend too is, is if you, you know, even if you're going to work at like a fast food place or something and you're going to get an application, I would still dress decent to go get an application because you never know who it is that you're going to engage with when you're mm-hmm. getting that. And so they're making a judgment on you based on that. And I personally have gone in to get an, an application and they've interviewed me then and there. And so uh, that would just be kind of one of those, um, you know, always be prepared kind of for the job interview, making a good first impression. Um, even if it's not the career that you think you're going to, be in and even if you think i'm just going to go get an application i would mm-hmm. make i would make the extra little effort to be prepared yeah definitely and then the last one we have on the list which again is depressing is dealing with harassment be it uh you know verbal um hopefully not sexual um or uh emotional physical even um there's no, there's no good, there's no good word to put in front of harassment that makes it any better, um, but perhaps makes it shades of worse. Um, but in a situation where, you know, your daughter is being, is having, you know, advances made on her that are unwanted, your son is being bullied or hazed or even sexually advanced or, or even in the, I mean, some hazing at sororities is you've heard stories. It's not just guys that do it. And it's not just guys that sexually harass, you know, um, it's kind of across the board. There are certain tendencies where one is more common in in a gender than the other, but, um, you know, there's a lot of gross people out there that 
want to um, impose their will on other people in ways that, that, that those people do not want. And, you know, especially with all the stuff that's been coming out in the news the past few weeks about stuff in Hollywood um, and, you know, former politicians um, that are making sexual advances on women or men um, that are unwanted and those people waiting years, mm-hmm. if not decades, to say something about it. Um, like, how do you even begin to equip your child to handle a situation like that? Because, it, you know, it's just, it's yeah. crazy to even think that that could happen to your kid. Yeah, I, I think the, the first thing is 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 to... And I seems like the world is different than it used to be in a good way with this in terms of I think people have been told that it's not okay to be bullied, it's not okay to be harassed. And so, you know, um, do you really want to work at a place where the boss is making sexual advances to you or telling you he'll give you the job if you just do, you know, whatever it is? And so I think that the first thing is just telling your kids that that's not okay. You know, like any of that, none of that is okay. And it should be a clue to you of maybe I don't want to work here. Maybe I don't want to be in this environment. And I know, you know, I I can't imagine what it would be like to be a struggling young actress or actor. And you're thinking, oh, this is going to be my break. If I do this, I, I think there's a whole lot that goes into that in terms of how they were raised as to whether they stand up for themselves or not. Um, but I think it's just that as a parent telling them that this is, this is, you know, even though you grew up in small town America and now you've gone off on your own to make it big, that is never okay. And if you experience that, um, you need to remove yourself from it. You know, there may be some consequences for you of, you may not get the job, you may not, but is that really how you want to get the job? You know, mm-hmm. it's, I, th- I think that's kind of the big, bigger picture. I think that the second piece of this is, is you never, ever have to deal with it alone. Um, so if you're like at a university or somewhere like that, uh, I think more and more they're having departments that deal with nothing but these kinds of things. And it's usually something like a student life, you know, student quality of life, student, you know, something along those lines where you can go and, and let somebody know what you're um, experiencing. Um, so I guess those are kind of like the two biggest things because if they hear it from mom and dad before they leave the house, that one, it's not okay. And two, if it does happen to you, you need to tell somebody is a big step in the right direction because, you know, you grow up in small town America and the first time you ever deal with it, you, you, you might wonder, well, maybe is this just how the game works? Is this, did I do something to let them believe that this was okay? And, uh, you're just kind of giving them that foundation of, not worth it. Don't go there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I even think this applies, and I'm pretty sure you'd agree with me, before oh, yeah. they leave for college. Yeah, definitely. Like high schoolers are crazy. Middle schoolers are crazy. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that we've talked about that middle schoolers are doing nowadays is insane. Yeah. Like, you know, getting paid for blowjobs in the bathroom. When you're in middle school. Mm-hmm. Probably going to have to bleep that out, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's not you a probably- cuss word. It's accurate. Well, and you may be giving parents heart attacks of like, oh, is that really going on? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it uh, is. Unfortunately. So, is. like, this is one of those conversations I think that it has to be an ongoing, sure, you know, discussion. And But it, but I think that's a big thing about what you and I have talked about from the get-go with this, of, of talk oh, to yeah. your kids and have a conversation with your kids, especially on the hard topics. Because you don't want them encountering this stuff for the first time. Without a way to process it. Right. You know? And you know, like getting blindsided is never a good, no experience. But if if you can give your kids a framework to process these things, because you've been present, you've had these conversations. You know, it doesn't mean the conversations go well or that you execute them perfectly. But that your kids know that you care, that your kids know that you're present, that you're doing what you can to give your kids a fighting chance to handle situations well, like that's really yeah, kind of what you can do, you know? And if you make yourself vulnerable Mm -hmm. to an awkward conversation or a difficult conversation, you're at least, 
and it doesn't go well, you're at least setting the groundwork for your kids to go, well, my parents are willing to have these conversations mm-hmm. and I've now experienced X and I don't know what to do about it. I'm embarrassed. I'm, you know, whatever, but my parents have always let, you know, let me know that we can talk about this stuff. So I'm going to go to my parents instead of somewhere else. So, and maybe sometimes somewhere else is better, but yeah. And I even, I even think that like laying that groundwork could lead to them talking to right. Yeah. yeah. A mentor or an aunt or an uncle or uh, a youth pastor or whoever, you know, the person that isn't their parents out, you know, that whoever isn't their parent, but is a parent type figure Mm -hmm. to them because you lay the groundwork, they may go to them and have the discussion, which is better than them talking to nobody. Yeah. You know, Uh, they may be too embarrassed to talk to the parents about it for, whatever reason, but if you have laid the groundwork and have had those tough discussions, it may lead to them talking to someone else. I'm repeating myself on all. <laughs> it just, it's better that they talk to somebody than nobody. Right. You yeah. know, whether that's a school counselor or, you know, whomever, um, it's, it's all good. Yep. Well, that was interesting. This is hard stuff, man. <laughs> Raising kids. It is. While yes. also trying to like figure your own life out and, you know, not mm. screw it up too much for them. Yep. Oh man, I need to go take a nap. <laughs> My kid's not even well, she turns one on Thursday. Ah, happy but birthday. It's like you think like, you know, it's hard when they're that young. And then just like they're they're not even they can't talk back. They can't throw things at you. They can't like, <laughs> they're not exposed to the garbage of, you know, humanity quite yet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be real fun here in a couple of years <laughs> when she's in school to deal with other people. All right. No, it's great though. It's great being a parent. I love being a dad. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. All right. Well, any closing thoughts, sir? Uh, I think that's it done for me all right well that was a quick ending <laughs> slam on the brakes well and i if anybody has any other things oh yes like, of we'd, course we'd love to hear from yeah, you this to... is not a comprehensive list this is no. i meant to say this yes. and i am like freaking out about my <laughs> anyways <laughs> yeah no seriously it's not a comprehensive list we honest to god threw it together two minutes before we recorded um and if if there are other um, skills, uh, competencies, or discussion areas that you feel are really important for parents to have with their children um, before they leave the house, um, please write in and tell us. Because I know we missed like oh yeah a, bunch. a lot of things yeah. Um, and we really like this is I think this is a good conversation because this is this is very practical, right? Um, and depending on where you're at in the parenting phase or how old your children are, like some of these are applicable and some may not be. Um, and so I think that, you know, if you guys and ladies, Oh, how many ladies listen to dad college? Maybe, maybe they're, maybe they're listening to try and get their husbands to, you know, pick it up. Maybe Uh, that's wishful thinking. I think, (laughs) uh, anyways, if you're listening and, um, you have, like I said, uh, skills, competencies, or, or areas of discussion that we totally whiffed on um, or didn't talk about, please write in. You can email us, hello at supermegacorp.net, or you can yell at us on Twitter. Dave's at David J. Hogue. I'm at Cam Brennan. Um, I think that's it. And then, yeah, we'll be back next time with episode 12. Woohoo. Bye. Bye. <laughs>